Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back to Rick Shields Golf Show podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Rick Shields. I'm here with producer Guy, episode number 89. Uh, we're back here at the studio. We've got lots to cover today. Olympics. Our trip to one of the best places that I've ever been, certainly in the UK. Um, we've got to talk about a trophy you seem to have on the desk. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we've got lots of questions coming in. Dear Rick, Nightmare Golf Stories, you know what it's all about. Welcome back to Richard's Golf Show, everybody. How are you, Guy? I'm good. I feel like sometimes, I'd like to think that most of the podcasts are decent, but sometimes we sit down with not much to talk about, but ends up being a good show. Yeah. But like you just said, then today we have got a lot to talk about. Only probably three or four big things, but they are big things. Um, I'm good. Had a good week last week, which we're going to talk about. We had a little trip that ended up being much, much, much more fun for many reasons than I probably thought it was going to be. Yeah, I'd agree. Should we start with that? I think we should. So... Uh, you might have seen in the last couple of days, Titleist have released some images um, and started to, I think you can pre-order or whatever, the latest iron lineup from Titleist, which is the new T100, T100s, T100s, 200s and 300s. There are some reviews online already if you want to check those out. I've not done mine yet, will be coming soon. The reason why I've not done mine yet is because Titleist are quite... Um, precious yes about me being fitted make making sure i'm in the right specs as most brands are a lot of brands will either come and see me give me a fitting we don't really show that on video because there's no point because it sometimes looks a bit too brand heavy and that's something i'm never really keen on doing so i've been fitted by every single major manufacturer from tailor-made ping tight list the list goes on well that's something actually that just maybe just to, to set the scene you've, you've kind of covered there but we've seen this question before on the facebook group and on twitter people asking out do you get fitted yeah and it yes and no it kind of depends on the pro- product doesn't it so if for example there's some new odyssey putters coming out then you just get sent them by callaway and they'll be in the right length for you so like 34 inch yeah Mo- most brands have my spec on record so they know what i like Exactly, but as as the channels obviously evolved and got bigger and bigger, the brands obviously want to send you a product that's fitted correctly because obviously they don't want you to have a product that's too long, too upright, too flat, so that when you're then testing it, you're not going to get the best results. Now, certainly with drivers, we're a little bit more 
kind of we might get like a, a, a shaft that we know you like that feels good for you and then because yeah. obviously I used to fit in my old job and obviously you know what you're talking about um, we, we'll kind of hit balls before filming we'll get the right loft the yes. right face angle maybe move the weights a bit so we always kind of do that ourselves anyway but tightlist with the new irons they were going to come up and give you a fitting uh, uh, probably the Marriott or something but they invited us somewhere to go and, and see explain it to me Rick you're good at doing this so I remember the first time I heard about it was when Titleist were bringing out their latest drivers, the TSI 2 and 3. And um, one of the guys from Titleist mentioned that they're building something in the UK that there's nothing like it anywhere in Europe, okay? And over in America, I've been fortunate to see facilities over in America. I've weirdly, bar ping, I've never been to one of the other HQs. So I've never been to Callaway. I've never been to TaylorMade. But I have been to the ping HQ in Arizona. And I must admit, when you're at their world global HQ, they do things a little bit differently. Like they've been there for many, many years. So the practice facilities are typically amazing. I mean, for for example, Ping, this is amazing. In their um, HQ, they actually have a indoor hitting area with all the cameras and launch monitors and everything else. But on the floor, they have like a pallet which they can lift via forklift truck. And on that pallet is turf real grass so it's in in you're indoor you're inside a teaching bay effectively like my old one at quest but you're hitting off grass and you're hitting out that outside wow outside so for the best players in the world like your bubba watsons and your tony females who are, who are fitted by and are ping players that's the service they get and Sick. when that turf is is done with they'll pick up the pallet wheel it out and put in the next pallet for the mere mortal and they can go back on a mat then they put yeah an old mat that's been there 20 years <laughs> okay now Typically, I've, I have seen images of TaylorMade and Callaway over in, in uh, San Diego, typically where a lot of them are based. And again, their fitting facilities is the best of the best. Five star. The turf is phenomenal. Like it's all flat. It's all lied out. You've got every shaft option there, every head option there. You're hitting the real golf balls from said manufacturer out onto a driving range where there's real greens and it's just it's real it's this is remember that time we had, well, obviously remember we had the podcast about how i thought fitting was overrated yes and a lot of the reasons i thought that it was a bit tongue-in-cheek it was to get people thinking but a lot of the reasons i said and still stand by is that it's not always relevant to how you play golf on the golf course so for example hitting off a mat don't do that on the golf course nope. you know hitting with a range ball don't do that on the golf course etc cetera, etc cetera. These kind of things that you mentioned to me sound so premium because they are as close to being on the golf course as you can get without being on the golf course. They're, they're levels that normally are only reserved for tour players. Mm. Typically, when you're when you're a new tour player, and we've seen that was a weird. I got a weird message then. It sounds like you got a virus or a hacker on your laptop. How weird was that? Anyway, let me just shut that down. That was WhatsApp. That's weird. Um, what am I saying with this? Normally, that sort of level is reserved for your best players in the world. So you, you've seen the, the little promos that Tone, uh, that TaylorMade did with the new HQ, and they have the best players in the world, Tiger, DJ, Rory, and whatever, mm-hmm. doing all these challenges. Anyway, I'm kind of making a, a very short story quite long here. But this service has never, ever, ever been available in the UK. Like, more recently, the American Golf at Trafford Centre has been through this massive revamp, and their new fitting bays are, are fancy, they've got all the cameras, they've got all the GC quads, it's very, very nice. Yeah. But it's far removed from what we experienced last week. Yes. So, again, this is not an advert, this is not a, a paid promotion, I, I'm sure people know me well enough now to know that I will give many brands praise and negativity well, when it's justified. Because I've got when some negatives. Justified. 
But we got invited to go down to Woburn, yeah. which Woburn, in its own right, is a facility that is out of this world. There's three golf courses there. I've actually played all three of them in some in some way, shape, or form. They've got the Marquis course, which is the the flagship store. Uh, golf course championship golf course the british masters was played there i actually played in the prone with tyrell hatton there many many years ago there's a video on my channel i've also played the duke's course which is the famous one where i beat pete in the in two club challenge two second hand club challenges ago uh, a phenomenal golf course a lot of like subtle flexes here yeah, yeah. played there with tyrell beat peter finch on that course but then the the duchess course is one of the hardest golf courses I've ever played in my life. And even though it's short on the other two, it's outrageously narrow. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. But these golf courses have been basically carved out of this forest. Yeah. It's a phenomenal place. Well, I'd never been to Woburn before. I've been, I'm lucky enough to have been to a lot of good resorts in the UK, but I hadn't been to Woburn. And I didn't see the actual golf courses. We didn't really go on to the courses as such. But from what I did see, the chipping green, which we'll come on to in a bit, the putting green, the actual clubhouse layout, the kind of general vibe, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. But probably about half a mile from the clubhouse, would you say, a short buggy trip away, there was quite a, quite a, what's the word? Inconspicuous, I think is probably the right word. Like black, grey kind of wooden fence with a really small, probably about the size of a scorecard sign. I think title is sitting centre. Performance Performance centre. centre. Little code that you put in. The door opens, slides across the gate. You drive in. What do you see? You see a facility that I've never seen in the UK before. I tell you what, I know. Sorry for people listening. If you're watching this on YouTube, we'll put a clip on now. Yes. If you're listening, come over to the YouTube channel and, and look, and we'll show you the clip. I almost or, or just Google Tyler's Performance Center. There's, I'm sure there are images. I think Tyler's promoted it. This facility is like I've never seen before. It's not open to the public. Like I say, you need to be invited. I think they do fittings there, and it's it's super expensive. So it's not going to be uh, unfortunately. A facility a lot of people are going to be able to use, and that's a downside for a facility like this. But you get in there, and there's there's a building that's that's only one level high, pretty high, but kind of one level. It's not two story, um, very well put together, mm-hmm. like a wooden, like a dark wooden um, exterior, but very modern. Like the driveway up there is is like a stone, but not loose stone. I don't what you call that. Like a it's stone that's that's fitted into the floor on the driveway so it's super smooth and as you look to the right there's a 350 yard driving range and every single hitting space is perfect turf and i mean perfect it's basically a golf hole in it really yeah it's, it's like it's a golf pristine. hole in a facility and then inside there was a big screen on the on and we didn't film any of this again because i don't want it to look too brand heavy sometimes i'd like to film some of this stuff but but that you hit the nail on the head though because for a video Although it would be a great insight to people that are never going to go for whatever reason, they might be living abroad and might never just never go, but it, it would look like an advert. Yeah. Like you said at the start, the beauty with the podcast is it's longer form. The listeners to this podcast who listen week in, week out, know it's not an advert. We will balance with some negatives as well. And if, if Callaway did the same next week and we went to that one, I'm sure it would be as good. Yeah. Um, but it's just good to, it feels a shame because I was quite, quite keen to talk about this, this trip on the podcast because it's the kind of thing before you wouldn't have shared with people. And it's a shame because we had a really good experience for, different reasons which again we'll come on to and i think it's a good story so walking in and on the big screen there it's like titleist welcomes to performance center there was two names there was jigger thompson mm-hmm. and rick shields so jigger thompson played in the open famously the only person that got a hole in one at the open it's a sick hole in one as well and he's the tallest golfer to ever play in the open championship is that true yeah is he something like six big, foot seven he's a big lad as well yeah so jigger thompson um what's the actual name 
is it Joe? I think it might be James, but let me. John Thompson. John, thank you, Jonathan Thompson. Jonathan it is. So he he was going to be he was going to be present. I don't think he was there when we arrived, or was he? No, he came in a buggy half an hour after. So anyway, we got in, we got shown around this, these two massive indoor fitting centres. There isn't grass, grass turf on the fitting centre, so that's a negative. That's a down, so that's where Penguin in America, one up. <laughs> but on the, in these rooms is everything you can ever want. Every shaft option, every head option. Again, it's all the tightless drivers, irons, wedges, whatever, right? And in the back office, there's like a, a proper tour van style um, workshop. Yep. Like, this room alone, probably... Not dissimilar to our podcast size room, maybe yeah. a little bit bigger, but had every mod con in there that was that was tailored to adjusting clubs. You could build golf clubs in that room, basically, to a really high spec. Um, conference rooms, nice kitchen, nice toilet, shower facilities, everything, right? And then we got shown around. It was lovely. It was just me and Guy there for the trip. Um, and everyone there was very pleasant, very nice, very chatty. And then we went out and out on the driving range and set up like a little station where they had a, mar- a marquee up. Mm-hmm. Um, loads of different golf bags. They took our golf clubs over there. They had like a, almost like a, a small burger van style. Um, How do you explain what this is? Yeah, what was it? It was like a, it's like a fitting cart, but it was the most modern fitting cart I've ever power. seen. Yeah, with power, with TVs, with Trapman, with all like a bending bar on the side, everything. Um, Like like a, I can't even. What what kind of size was it? Like a small van, almost like a little golf buggy, but not a golf buggy. Yeah, bigger than a golf buggy. Was it bigger? Do you reckon? I think so. Anyway, it's about that, roughly that size. So there, there was two buckets of balls: one with Pro V ones, one with Pro V one Xs. and on the number on the golf balls, something I spotted very quickly that there was massive numbers on the golf balls. Yeah, not like not the number that you get on the golf ball that represents under the under the word tightless. Like a logo, but it was a number. So at the side, if you ever find a golf ball, it's like a Pro V one, and it's like from the Porsche Golf Day or whatever it might be. You find the trees like that kind of size, but a number eight. I think were on your ones. So I asked the question. I said, why why is the why are these golf balls? Why have they got such big numbers? And apparently, because this facility is going to be very much geared towards pros, tour pros especially, is a lot of tour pros, weirdly enough, don't always play with the brand new Pro V1. Sometimes they'll play with a Pro V1 from like 2015 yeah. or 2013 or even further back. Mad. So they have all these buckets of balls and that, that particular bucket of balls might be the Pro V1X from 2013. Therefore, all the golf balls in that bucket have a massive number five on them. So just when they're collecting them, it's so much quicker. They look at the side and going, right, that's a Pro V1 with a little thing there. What year was that? It's got eights, sevens, sixes, done. And then all the new ones have whatever number on them. And anyway, so... I went for a wedge fitting, something I really wanted to look at, maybe some new wedges. It's not been any any disguise. I've not been particularly great in my wedges over the last six months, a year, two years, five years. So I wanted some new wedges. Um, got a really nice fitting. Probably mm. one of the best fittings I've had. Yeah. Because typically what I don't like about fittings, certainly when it's from a brand and they know who I am and they know they want to try and influence me in some way, they're almost like hype men. Yeah. And I don't like that. That's the best shot you've seen hit all day. Look at the spin on that. Yeah. Look at the spin. It's the best shot I've ever seen hit. Oh, wow. I've never seen anyone hit a driver that long. And you're like, shut up. Like, don't give and me a nice stand up hit 12 yards longer. <laughs> but they were very, very nice. They were very pleasant. They were very professional. Gave me a great fitting. I got looked into getting four new wedges, which might be coming soon. Whether I put them in the bag, who knows? Just That'll be a good little chat on the pot. When you've had them in the bag, well, practice with them for maybe a couple of weeks. Maybe yeah. we'll do a bit on that um then got fitted through the whole new iron lineup mm-hmm. from the new t100s t100s 200s 300s and really all it was was an exercise of them 
working out the right shafts for me, working out the right lie angles, whatever it may be. Typically, I'm not far from standard though. Yeah. Like I, I pretty much say this to every brand. I'm pretty much standard lie, standard length, extra stiff shaft. I'm pretty easy. That's kind of what we got out of it anyway. So that was that was why we went, and um, like I said, it was a good chance to take the new irons. I mean, as good as the whole facility was, and it is top notch. Personally, I mean, we've not done review, not reviewed the irons yet. From the few I hit and the few I saw you hit, this model of T100s and stuff aren't much different to last year or the last iteration. Again, and, full review to come on that. Yeah. I mean, that's how you look at that, though, because what I kind of, to be fair, I like about this new lineup is that if they were called something totally different, sorry, I'm hitting microphone, uh, if they were called something they're different, it's almost like you expect them to perform different or if they had massive yeah. claims. It's just essentially a new version. They've slightly tweaked them. Um, which we've seen a lot more brands do. Well, Taylor Made have got some new P790s coming out, which. Yeah. Probably can, can't talk about too much just yet, but again, called P790. So you know they're not going to be massively different. It, it, it's very much down the route, like a car manufacturer starting to go down where there might be a new BMW 3 Series. Next two years, there'll be another a newer version of a BMW 3 Series. Yeah. And that's kind of what clubs are starting to do, which I like because people are starting to understand, all right, I don't have to maybe change every year, every two years. This set that I've got, okay, it might not be the latest and greatest, but it's not that different to the new one. The new one just looks a bit different, or they've tweaked a few things, which I can, you know, that's okay. I'll tell you what, though, speaking of balance, positives and negatives, I tried the new irons out. I currently actually used Titus T100, so the new ones were really nice, felt very similar, if not the same, but looked probably look a little bit cleaner, a bit nicer. Um, but you say, I haven't said that. I said they look cleaner, look nicer. When you see the new stuff, of most brands, the old stuff straight away doesn't look as good. I think yeah. it's just you're, you're almost subconscious. However, I had a quick go with the driver. I am not a fan of the TSI. You that driver, I just, honestly, you? I feel like the TSI three is super like per shape, which I used to like when I was growing up, but now it just looks too unforgiving. That TSI two, the, the top like leading edge looks dead sharp, mm. and I just couldn't. Do you like them? They just don't feel like they're that powerful. I don't mind the look of them. I understand what you're talking about. Almost like the toes quite flared open. The toes pointing to the right massively. Makes you feel like you're going to hit it right and left. 100%. Um, which you did. Yes. <laughs> but, um, yeah, overall, fitting was good. New lineup's good. The facility was out of this world. Even the greens that you hit into are maintained like the greens at Woburn. Mm-hmm. So they take a ball. You can put on them. You can chip on them. And because there's, I mean, there was, we're going to come on to this. There was three people hitting golf balls there. It was. Or you being fourth. There was four go- four golfers hitting golf balls at that facility. Yes. We've mentioned three of them. We'll come on to number four in a minute. Yeah. But because there was only four people hitting golf balls and there was so much space, you could walk out onto the driving range effectively. Yeah. It's actually, it's giving it a disservice calling that a it's driving a hole. range. It's, it's yeah. a hole with a massive green halfway up it with little different flags. You can go up there and I was testing these wedges and I was hitting bunker shots. I was hitting little chips, hitting 50 yard pitches, whatever, whatever shot I wanted to hit, I could replicate it. On a golf course with these wedges that I've been fitted for, it was very, very good service. So Jigger Thompson was there, bombing driver. Um, Rick Shields was chipping wedges like nobody's business. Rick Shields was hitting the green with Guy a wedge. Chant was losing golf balls, losing pro ones. Titus weren't too happy. <laughs> with driver. Yes. Yeah, there's less, there's less tightless dates now. Yeah, there is a few less. And then there was a nice little surprise. There was. So we saw a buggy. We'd been there maybe 40 minutes and a buggy drove in. They must have put the secret code in. They were driving in. There was a buggy of, I think, four people. Quite an entourage. An entourage of people. And one of them looked very, very familiar. And it was somebody that, I'm going to hold my hands up now, 
I've been a big fan of in terms of him being a serious, serious, serious golfer for pretty much all the time I've been playing golf. But somebody that I wasn't sure of if I would like, if I ever met them properly. And I'm going to hold my hands up. He was unbelievably sound and much, much sounder than I thought it was going to be. I don't know why I had this, this negative preconception. I think a lot of people listening would probably have this preconception. So the golf we were talking about, and he turned up with his, his two sons mm-hmm. and his son's golf coach, I think. I think. He is, yeah. It was the Poulter family, so Ian Poulter, Luke, and Josh, and I didn't get I didn't get the cad- the coach's name actually. No, I can't remember. And um, it was a tight, the, all the tightest guys got a bit flustered, didn't they? Yeah. They're like, oh god, Ian's here. Best be on like they, 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 they throw the Poults out there. They're very much oh Poulters here. <laughs> they were very like I don't know. They seemed a bit more on edge, and I was quite like chilled with it. I've I've actually met Ian before. Um, I know. Well, I think the lads watch the channel. I know Luke does, who's they, the oldest kid. Well, they do, because they walked out and went, oh, Dad, is that YouTuber? But he knew you were, let's be honest. Is that YouTuber that can't shit? Who <laughs> <laughs> can't break 75? Um, anyway, they wandered over after about 10 minutes of being there, and they were bloody lovely. Unbelievably I mean, sad. I didn't have a bad preconception. I I can understand why maybe people, he ruffles people up the wrong way. Uh, I've loved his social media for a long, long time. He was one of the earliest adopters to Twitter. Mm-hmm. I remember when, like, Really, really early. That's his biggest platform. And we had a very lovely, very grown up, very professional, very respectful mm. of each other conversation about social media. Well, I think the first thing to say, he's got two sons. Luke is about 16. And was it Josh? He's yeah. probably nine. Eight, I don't know. Yeah. How unbelievably well-mannered. Well-mannered. I was going to say well-behaved. That wasn't the right term. because yeah. it wasn't. They were, yeah, well-mannered and well-brought up. And let's be honest, considering that the dad, well, they are multi, multi, multi-millionaires, they came across like every other kid. I know that sounds bad, I'm even saying that, but do you know what I mean? You think these lads live in America, they've got a house in England, the dad's got umpteen Ferraris. You would almost sometimes, and they've, they've met, they'll have met Tiger, yep. I'm sure, they'll know every, they'll know Rory really well. They were speaking to you so well and yep. inquisitive, they obviously watched the channel, really well brought up kids. I think... My only reason I felt about Poulter, possibly like he would be somehow maybe stuck up or it's just because obviously he's well known for all his fancy cars. He dresses quite elaborately. He, I don't know, but in real life, he was a really, really nice bloke and he gave you so much time and he asked you so many questions. He was yeah. truly interested, wasn't he? I, I always, you know, obviously you can only judge a book by its, by its cover. That's the wrong way of saying it. You can't judge a book by its cover. Um, and for somebody who he's been in the game for so long and he's done so much for the game and multiple Ryder Cup victories and multiple European Tour wins and we actually did some stats after, didn't he? Oh, he's won so many times. Unreal. And like I say, he's a, he's a multimillionaire, lives at Lake Nona, all these Ferraris. Um, but he was, like I say, he really gave me time. Looked at me in the eye when he spoke to me. You know, was very interested in what I was saying. Didn't come across as... I know better. Loved it. Well, we've so got, we've got even got chatting about like uh, being juniors and like backspin comps yeah. I and mean, we like reeling off balls. We used yeah. to, and he was coming out with some balls. So obviously, a bit older than well, quite a bit older. How old is he now? Um, Forty odd. So he's older than us, like a different generation. But he was reeling off balls that we didn't know about. And we were like, yeah. oh, I don't know why you don't know this ball. And he was like really chatting, and it, it was it wasn't even remotely like he wanted to just chat to you and then get off. He was almost hanging around. Yeah. But just sound. Yeah. And then his, his son, his little son came back after and asking me loads of questions about what my favourite YouTube video is that I've made. And um, 
he was watching me hit shots into the green and was asking me to hold it. But again, I said, I'm, I'm not your dad. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not that good. Um, but yeah, lovely, really nice meeting the Poulter family. We even hinted at maybe a collaboration. He seemed up for it. Um, yeah, I think, I think again as well, we've mentioned it a couple of times on this, on the podcast, this new incentive that's been handed out for the PGA Tour, this new PIP mm. player, something, something. To do with followers essentially on player social media. influence program, is it? Um, they're going to make money if they've got more followers. So I think any opportunity, I mean, Poulter has got a channel, a YouTube channel. He doesn't say he doesn't have enough time to do enough on there. But I think his Instagram stories, the way he posts things, um, yeah, class. But another thing that you mentioned at the time, which was so true, was he got there probably 40 minutes after we got there. Oh, this is And he was still there when we went home. And obviously he was with his son, who's 16, who's a very good player. He's going to college in America. His young son, who was 9 or 10, who was actually, for the amount of time I was there, looked like he was actually practicing a lot and was kind of really, again, well-behaved and just chilling. And then his son's coach. They were grinding for, what, eight hours maybe? Well, we were there from 11 till 5. So you got there at 12 then? latest and, and they were still going at six yeah. so so a solid six hours of practice on a random wednesday and they weren't like just messing about were they were actually i mean they're, they're, they're having yeah. fun but hitting ball and you think he's currently i think he's just got in the top 50 again or like top 50 in the world yeah, that's right. just he's been i looked the other day i think he's got 2000 he got on the tour yeah he joined the european tour in 2000 and he's been pretty much up there all that time so that's 21 years of being a serious golfer and he's still putting that in now. It just shows what it takes and what you don't see. He does show a lot on social yeah. media. And I think he actually put a little video on afterwards of his son in the ball. Yeah. But you don't see the other side of all those shots he hit. And it just goes to show that you have to be doing that, don't you, at that level. It made me appreciate my hands were hurting quite a lot that day. In fact, my blister's only just healed, oh. right? I know. Poor me. And I was hitting... I probably hit a fraction of golf balls that he hit because I was chatting, I was going fitting, we had a bit of lunch, whatever. And that felt like a, I was aching that day. Yeah. Like I know, granted, we drove down from Manchester and whatever, but he he's doing that on a random Wednesday. I mean, I, I wanted a medal after doing that practice and that's what he's doing, who knows, every day. He might be doing that every day. Yeah. He might be doing that today. Probably is. Like, it's crazy. And it makes me realise, like... And he might not be known as a great practicer. Like someone like an Alex Norren, yeah. who is renowned for practicing. Is he doing 10 hours a day? I mean, I just find it but great. It's what you don't see. It's what you don't see. But what's also mad is, like, as we've just bigged up the facility there, that's where Poulter's going, hitting balls with his family. He obviously had an unbelievably nice car in the car park. He's doing very well for himself. So he's absolutely grinding, but he's kind of made it, hasn't he, really? Let's be honest. Think about the guys who are putting that much of work in, who are battling the Euro Pro Tour on the Challenge Tour, who are putting in 10 hours a day. On a crappy driving range. Exactly. Which raining, they've got a sandwich in the golf bag for lunch, you know, from old stale bread or whatever. I know it sounds silly, but these guys who are trying to literally earn the crust, literally, who don't know how they're going to finish next week. Yeah. Like, Poulter obviously wants to make the cut every week. He's got his own personal goals, I'm sure. He doesn't make another cut for the rest of his life. He's sorted. These guys who are doing that, not knowing when the next going to win or make a cut or break even and you think you have to have a certain mindset to be able to do that like how hard is that on your own on the range it's a real it, it's we've said this before but being a tour pro is obviously lovely if you are a polter you're a rory if you're one of these guys that's up and coming it must be hard hard work yeah what's negativities about the place um the negatives about the place 
was first one which you alluded to before was the indoor systems are awesome in the outdoor, but you're hitting off mat. Yeah. So for a driver, I don't think that matters because you're on a flat surface. But if you're going there for a fitting and you want it to be indoors, it's raining. Because like, I think it's £500 for a punter to go and have a fitting. So it's a lot of money and that doesn't come off the clubs. That go- and that goes just towards going. Now, in a way, that's almost like reassuring the expensive. You know for that money you're getting a boss service. But if you go and on the day you go, you've travelled from Scotland, let's just say, it's, it's really bad rain and you're indoor hitting balls off a mat with a wedge or a seven iron. So if you can't go outdoors, that's not real, is it? They could have built something where... It was somehow up. grass was still inside. Exactly. Or it, grass was covered. So that's something that I think because it's a big thing. If you're spending that much money on golf clubs and a fit in, you want to hit in. And it, obviously, if you went like when we did, it's sunny, you go outside, it's job sorted. So that was one thing that could be a little bit better. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm clutching at straws. I, I just think it's a shame that not enough people are going to be able to ever use that facility. Yeah. And I understand Titleist haven't built it for everybody. Titleist. Uh, fitting centre is at St Ives. That's their that's their normal fitting centre, and they have probably twenty fittings a day. I don't yeah. know. This place is going to have five fittings a week. Yeah, that five people a week are going to be able to go to that facility. So what's that? Two hundred and fifty people a year. That's in, that's if they that's if the full are going to have the opportunity to use one of the best facilities in Europe. But is it one of the best facilities in Europe? Because only 250 people well, possibly. can use it. The only other thing I thought would have really, really elevated it again was there was obviously the green you mentioned, which was phenomenal, which was probably, was it 70 yards away, would you say? Yeah. It's a short walk from the, from the start of the range or whatever. But obviously, Titleist are known for several categories. One of the most popular is Scotty Cameron putters. There was nowhere to really put... You could walk up to that putting green and, and, and roll a few... But it would have been great as another indoor bay with Sam Putt Lab with an indoor facility to try the putters. That would have been really... Yeah. Or you get you know, something a bit more like that, which may come in the future, I don't know. Yeah. Although I'm, I am clutching at straws, so I think... Listen, it was it. pretty much perfect. I'd love that facility for myself. Oh, the Rick ridiculous. Shields Golf School. That's R- the Rick goal Shields, in two years. Yeah, the Rick Shields Golf Performance. And it'll be £2.50 to come. Wow. Um, don't quote me on this, anybody. Kids come for free. But like um, a vending machine inside that's free as well. Oh, I like that. It was good. It was really good. I think what made it was the whole Polter thing as well. Just yeah. seeing him in the flesh and, and interacting with him and seeing how sound he was. I'm a fan of Ian Poulter now. There you go. And uh, that was good. Not sponsored by Titleist. Last week we slagged off the ball that it wasn't, I don't want him ages for ages. I know. That, pr- that proves that yeah. it's just, it's just, and the drive wasn't that good. Other than that, it was good. <laughs> um, speaking of golf clubs though, we just released a video that kind of proves that you don't have to necessarily spend a fortune on Titleist or on Ping or Mizuno or whatever and get fitted. There are other options out there. Yep. And we went to Clark's Golf Centre, which is near me, and uh, we bought the Cobra package set, which is available at a number of retailers. We call, call it the secret package set because it's not a secret. You can see it in stores. It's on their website. But you don't see it on their Instagram. They don't necessarily spend advertising money behind it. You have to search for it to find it. And it was a package set that was £649, had a driver, five-wood hybrid, six signs of sand iron, a putter, and a bag. We bought it, reviewed it, and it was very good. Talk it was very me. good. Yeah, listen, it it did everything it needed to do. Mm-hmm. Like, you could play golf with that set of clubs. 100%. And I, I said in the video that it's really aimed at three different types of golfers. Someone that's, who's almost a beginner, mm-hmm. who doesn't know what they're buying. Somebody who just wants an easy purchase, because they might not, if they had that budget. Sorry, excuse me. <coughs> If they had that budget, they might not be able to know what to buy secondhand. 
And then number three, somebody might just play in corporate days yeah. six times a year and they just want a set that look good for business. Yeah. And that, that's a big thing. I've said this before <laughs> on the podcast and it's something that I'm happy to see more major brands are doing is that people listening to this podcast are pretty hardcore golf fans. So if you got given 700 quid and someone said, right, go online or go onto Facebook Marketplace and, and, and build a set for a friend of second-hand clubs, you could do it. You might get a couple of old Cleveland wedges for 100 quid, an old, an old Odyssey putter, set of ping irons, throw in an old tailor-made R7 driver, ping Rapture Freewood, you're yeah, done. Nice set of clubs. For. Yeah, throw in a cheap bag from Sports Direct, even if you want to get a new one or whatever, and for that money you could do it. But so many people that start the game, and I've had people ask me, like my wife's husbands, my wife's friends' husbands and stuff like that have, have come to me and said, oh, I want to start golf, what should I get? And they might have 500 quid, might have a bit more, maybe 600 quid. It's a lot of money to spend on golf equipment. If you don't know what you're looking for. Yeah, and if you don't know what you're looking for. And also, like I said this before, but, so for example, I've, I've, I'm a member of a gym where like racket sports... Need some water. Um, I'll carry on. I've been a member of a gym where um, racket sports are um, quite a big thing. And I have, as this is weird, Rick's just literally walk off set. But I've got into, I've got into um, racket sports and wanted to go out and buy a new racket and gone to like a sports direct store or um, spent money on something that's brand new but not the best quality. But it's nice to have something that's brand new. But you don't always want to have a golf club that's secondhand if you are new to the sport you want to have something that's brand new, never been touched, that's yours, that you unbox, that you take the wrappers off, that you own, that's your baby. Um, Rick's back now. How much were you padding for? It's a little bit of padding. I'm just trying to say about how, like, when you start a new sport, you might be willing to Rick's now spill this water everywhere, um, but you want stuff that's new, that you own, that's never been touched, and that's why these package sets, I think, have got a place in the market. You can't get them fitted. So that's a that's a down to potentially. If you're six foot five, you haven't bought the package set, it will be garbage for you. But it gives you a good starter base. You can, over time, replace the driver, replace the putter. Um, and, and one of the big things that why these brands do it, which you touched on in the video, is because Cobra think, if we build a set for that new golfer or that guy that's not sure what to get, and he likes it or they like it, whatever, then in six months, in a year, when we release the new driver that Bryson's bombing 400 yards, they might go and buy that. They like yep. Cobra. Yep. So Cobra do one for sure now, obviously. Callaway have done one with, the, with a couple, but they do one at Costco, which we've reviewed. Titleist don't do it. Don't know if they ever will. Surprised Taylor May don't do it. Taylor May, what's they do? They might. I bet they do in America in like a Walmart or something. Yeah. But it's something that I think more brand and they are decent. And those irons in particular, I can guarantee if you took that iron out a single seven iron and showed it to loads of golfers at the Marriott, so this is the new Cobra irons, the seven hundred quid. You get four to wedge. They go, yeah, yeah, because it had genuine grip, genuine shaft. Mm-hmm. Like they looked. I feel like everything's very positive and advertorial today. It's not. This is not a paid well, I'll, I'll, okay then let's throw in the negatives the putter felt a bit weak a bit light really weak um it, again to the to the average golfer they might not have realized but somebody certainly for me who's tested loads and loads of putters felt very unstable wasn't very forgiving wasn't very easy to line up um and that, but the, the reason why they've done that is unoffensive but if you are a new golfer or something you'd probably want something that's a bit bigger so that yeah. was a downside the bag was very good but it looked like, it didn't look like it would be like 100 odd quid in a shop. It was like a, a takedown version, yeah. which looks wise is good, might rip over time. Head covers were garbage. Yeah, and it was yeah. a trolley bag, really. It was a trolley bag. Head covers was garbage, but it at least had head covers. But that's the thing, though. It, 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 it's, it does sound positive, but it's you, you have to be with some products positive because they are good, aren't they? Like, yeah. there's negative to some stuff, but that, that was a good set. You can probably get better, well, you can definitely get better quality clubs if you want to go second hand. But they're going to be a bit dirty and a bit battered. And if you want to win them, check out the video. Like, mm-hmm. comment, subscribe. And we're going to give them away at the end of August. Um, 
Olympics. Mm. Should we get on to this? Yes. Did you watch much? So, no, I didn't. I didn't watch it at all. I had to check it in the day to see what the results were. I put it on on Sunday morning, literally about halfway down the 18th hole of who even... Xander won. Yeah. Is he the last group out? Yeah. Were, were, what was his second chance to 18 then? Was he in that bunker and he hit it out? Or, no, I can't. Uh, yes, and okay. He hit it. He hit it into the no. Um, Xander it? put it in the tree on the right. Yeah, chipped it out to about eighty yards, made up and down. Right, I'm with you. And it was Casey and Matsyama in the bunker. Yes, yeah. So I watched from there. Yeah, and then I watched the playoff. Yeah, and that was it. The coverage. So there's a couple of reasons. First off, as I mentioned last week, I love the Olymp- golf being in the Olympics. I think it really does a lot of things positively for the sport. I don't think it's a massive game changer, certainly not this year, and I'll explain the reasons why. But for me, I I like seeing the golf in the Olympics. And from the sound of things, a lot of the now Olympians, these golfers who played in it, loved it. Really? Like Rory McIlroy completely changed his mind. Like, he's gutted that he missed out in Rio. He probably can't wait again to play in the next three years in Paris. Say why? Or, or just I think it, it was because it was bigger than what he thought it was going to be. Like, representing your country, representing something bigger than just you. Like, and it even came out and said, I've never tried as hard to get into third place. Yeah. And, and like, all of these things, like, to walk away from the medal and representing your country. And I suppose for these guys, apart from the Ryder Cup, you never, ever get this kind of team spirit, do you? And even the Ryder Cup, Cup of golf, but it's not that big, is it? And even think. the Ryder Cup, and I think, again, what a lot of these players have realised when they're at the Olympics, in the Olympic Village, like, they're bumping into other athletes that they really respect. Yeah, that's true. Like, when they're walking at a golf event or the Ryder Cup... They're better than everyone else. Yeah, yeah. In their head, they're, I'm better than you, Bryson. I'm better than you, Tiger. I'm better than you, Brooks, or whatever it may be in their head, where they're walking around this Olympic village and they're bumping into Tom Daly and going, yeah. I can't do what you do. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f- are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com normally being a little extra can be a bit much but when it comes to health care it pays to be extra and United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit UH1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah. How do you do what you do? And they're saying to you, how do you do what you do? And they're bumping into like Matt Whitlock or or the BMXers or the or the cyclists or the swimmers or the rowers. Like they, they're in this kind of bubble that is filled with Olympians, like the best in their areas in different sports. Question for you then. Do you think, and not that they should, but do you think there would be any kind of level of like imposter syndrome so for example there's two reasons why i say this one of them's not really granted but i'm going to throw out there anyway let's say paul case is walking through the olympic village he's a great britain athlete essentially he's playing for great britain and he walks past like adam Peaty, who's obviously how many goals did he win swimming like two or three Three goals who's a proper athlete do you reckon they almost feel like not they should but do you reckon they feel like i'm just a golfer you're a proper proper athlete you're the best in your sport and i think that's that's where it probably comes to like you are whatever your sport may be because again let's say you are a a, a shooter yeah. yeah they do like the yeah, shotgun yeah, true. like some of them are much much older than a 20 year old olymp you know gymnast and it, it's just different different strokes for different folks Fair. like i think it's i think they probably feel different because again when they go to a tour event they are the number one names Mm-hmm. Like Rory McIlroy is walking around any tour event. He's as the, the boy, isn't he? He is the biggest name in in golf when he's at an event, right? Everyone wants his signature. Everyone wants his picture. Everyone wants media want time with him. He's going to Olympics, and not only maybe is he, he's not even the biggest name in his country, potentially for for the sport. So I'm not sure who else represents Ireland, but let's say let's say Paul Casey yeah, or Tommy got, Fleetwood, yeah, let's say GB. Um, they're not even the biggest athletes in their team. Never mind. They're not even close to the most famous athletes in the Olympics. Yeah. Are they really? Question. Another other point then, again, just kind of thinking different angles. Do you think that kind of, again, that kind of semi-imposter syndrome may or may not kick in, but when, like, we said how it, it's obviously amazing if a golfer wins gold, silver, bronze, whatever, but it's nowhere near the pinnacle of the sport, whereas for, like, a swimmer, it is. Yeah. So do you almost feel like Tommy and that might, obviously they're probably made up to be there, they wanted to be there, hence why they've gone. But do you reckon they feel weird that like, it's not as big for them as it is for the sports? I, I think it's different for a number of reasons. And, I, and I'm not sure if I touched it on la- touched on it last time in the podcast. I think I did about like the financial, like these guys, certainly Tommy, Rory, Paul Casey, they're doing pretty well for themselves. Yes. Against some of these other athletes, like the woman who, uh, Charlotte uh, Worthington, who won the gold in BMX freestyle, right? Yeah. She's from Manchester. She's, she's just won gold. Yeah. But she's not earned the money that Rory's won, no. Paul Casey's won. Not none of the golfers. Like but she's walking away with gold. And I think I think that side of things, I, I think that would be very different for the golfers, because they're going in multimillionaires. This isn't gonna break their their world, whatever it may be. But I think that's where again a lot of the players when they were there almost subtracted their own personal achievements. This is an achievement I'm trying to get for the team, for, for the country, for, the, for for I want to go back to 
Slovakia, mm-hmm. which we're going to come on to in a minute with Rory Sabatini. Mm-hmm. I, I want to represent the country. I, I'm, it's not me so much. Yeah, I get to keep the medal. I get all the praise, but I'm also helping with the medal tally. I'm helping with yeah. the team. You know, because often you see this thing where in, and I've seen other athletes say it, like the swimmers have done really well this year because they took massive inspiration from like the cyclists mm. from previous years. And I think it's that whole, like if the whole team is producing really well, and if, and if Tommy or Paul Casey could have got gold for GB, who knows, that might have inspired somebody else in the GB team to also push on and get a medal. Yeah. I don't know. Coming to the golf. So that that's one thing I've seen from the players. A lot of the players spoke very, very positively of, of it. The golf course looked outrageously amazing. Mm. I knew nothing about the golf course and don't even ask me how to pronounce the name of it because <laughs> I don't know. It looked like Augusta but just not as good, yeah, not yes. as pristine. It looked very, very Augusta-esque. It's been around for 20-odd years. It, it looks amazing. I think the format isn't the format that should be played right now. I'll always be honest now, hand on heart, bar the Sunday when you I stick it up. None. And that's for me, though. But, sorry, I jumped the question there. Yeah, no, you knew what I was going to say. How much did I watch before that? Yeah. None. Yeah. And there's two reasons. One, a little bit because of the time delay. So with it being in Tokyo, the it was very much played overnight here or super, super early in the morning. That's one thing. Um, but you have made the time to watch the other sports, though. But they seem to be on because... The, well, you said you watched them on Red Button, catch up with Because them. it's all like, it's condensed. That, see, that's what I'm getting to then. It's it, not it's the time. Condensed. It's that, to be honest, golf is boring over four days yeah. for most events. That's what I'm saying. I don't think the format's right yeah. for it. So it's much more condensed. And I think... Um, Unless you had apparently Discovery Plus, which I was going to sign up for, you, that during time you could watch it all. Uh, so I'd love a Sky Sports to jump in and, and air it all, or or BBC Three or something to air it all. But they're not. When they look at the list of Olympic sports, golf isn't the most exciting to watch. You know what they should do? Simple. I know we had it last week all these different formats, and some were a bit silly, tongue in cheek, some were genuine. What about thirty six holes, eighteen in the morning, cut? 18 in the afternoon. Perfect. How much so better much easier. would that be? So much easier. Because then you, you could do things like match play. You could do your yeah. mixed doubles. You could do your better ball, your foursomes. For me, I think there should be so many more disciplines in golf. Mm. Like you have swimming. You have all these different medals available under the category of swimming. Golf, you've got two medals, two gold medals available. One for men, mm. one for women. Done. Well, I think there's so much more that could be done. Like you've got the the athletes there, and maybe more athletes would go if there's more chance of winning more medals. I th- yeah, I think for me, obviously, now we've had essentially two Olympics of it in modern times. So next Olympics, it might be more of a thing and so forth. If it, w- I'm kind of fairly happy as, as the tournament it is. It's four days. It's not the most exciting, but fine, whatever. But if the next Olympics, all the big big names were desperate to be in it. Had I was had to be in it, and they were like, "I want to win this as much as I want to win a major or more than." And I actually, really believed that. I would think I would get a lot more behind it. It's just trying to change that perception that it's almost on the level of a major, which at the minute it's not. Let's be honest. But if it could get to that, I think golf's had a really bad start because remember in 2016 in Rio, mm-hmm. and I forgot this. It was mentioned on the commentary the other day. Do you remember that? Was it called Zeke virus or something? Oh, not really. No. There was a virus that affected Rio. Olympics. Don't remember that. Just Google it quick. My laptop's gone dead. How am I spelling it? I just put virus um, Olympics Rio. There was definitely a virus that was going around that stopped a lot of athletes going. 
Zeke or something. Oh, yeah, Zeke virus. Yeah, remember it? Not really, no. I, I forgot about it until one of the commentators said, and I remember so many athletes not going because remember. of that virus. And obviously, this year, <laughs> again, we've got coronavirus. And I think there's, there's been golf has started in 2016 in Rio, which, again, there was lots of controversy about the, the Olympics there in Rio, the safety, blah, 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 this virus that I forgot about. You've then got Tokyo again, similar situation. It was it was the coronavirus. I think next time in three years, that's all we've got to wait for the next one. It's in Paris, yeah. And hopefully there's no virus. And and I think because of where its location is, I don't know what golf course they're playing it on. I've no idea. The golf national potentially. Maybe. I think that year, it's the third year we'll be doing it. The Olympics, uh, golf in the Olympics. I think that time is a real time to say, right, let's get, let's really try and get the best players in the world because. Rory went this year because he was gutted when watching Rio and Justin Rose doing really well. Like he was gutted that he wasn't there. And again, this year is, I mean, a lot of big names tried to go. Ram, Bryson, yeah. Brooks. I don't think Brooks tried to go. A lot of big names tried to go, yeah. but they couldn't. They got restricted or whatever, or time restrictions or whatever it may be. I think Paris. I would love to see different formats. I would love to see different ways of, of playing the game, 100%. I joked on Twitter and it kind of got sl- slated a bit. I would love to see a long drive tournament in, in golf. We see shot put, that's effectively a long drive <laughs> with a ball over your shoulder. Let's make it an Olympic sport yeah. shot put. Like, I think if you if you really made it a week of sport and gave it a platform to, to be aired on Sky, on Rick Shields Golf YouTube channel, I'll happily take the rights for it, and air it and show people how amazing sport is and golf is and Olympics and make it exciting, I think you've got really a, a really good product. Yeah. Going back to the winners, I'm, I'm really glad Xander Shoffley won. I said at last, I want a big name to win it, mm-hmm. and he deserves it's a big it. Name. It's a massive name. Whether it changes his life, probably not, but he's an Olympic medalist. He's mm-hmm. a gold medalist. There's only two of them in the modern era, him and Justin Rose. That's got to be, add something. I'm very confused about Rory Sabatini. Yeah, so he's obviously um, South, African. South African, and his wife is from Slovakia, and his stepson. And I believe in 2019 he switched to be a Slovakian citizen, and people thought that was just to basically get an Olympic team. So I'm not sure on that. So well, I read. Well, it worked, <laughs> and he won silver medalist after an, uh, no. You still have to shoot the lowest yeah. one of the lowest scores. He went out and shot 61 final round. Fair dues is on that platform for a silver medal. CT Pan. Mm-hmm. From Chinese Taipei, which is Taiwan, effectively, right? Mm-hmm. And and is it? It's just Taiwan, like the Republic, just... Republic of China, or something, or not? Is it it's completely just, separate? It's just Taiwan. So from what I've gathered online. Um, and, and he took silver medalist. Actually, held off Colin Marikawa in the in the in the final seven man playoff. That's what made it really exciting. There could have been three playoffs. How mad's that? Yeah. Could have been playoff for gold. I oh, know that wouldn't have worked, then would it? No, because then second would have got... Yeah, but then what would have happened if... Probably would have been, people... It probably would have been, if there was, say, 10 tied for gold, you'd have had a gold winner, then it probably would have been a playoff for silver and then for bronze, I imagine. I get it. I'm just reading about this Chinese Taipei. Um, it's, it's just Taiwan, isn't it? Yeah, there was something about... I saw it on Wikipedia. Who knows what to believe on there? But it was something that organised tournament that represents the Republic of China. Commonly known as Taiwan. Yeah. It's just um, I don't understand, but it is... It's, Taiwan, as far as I know. Fair dues to him. Had his wife on the bag, mm-hmm. um, as did Rory Sabatini, weirdly enough. Um, a conversation that did get put out there. Should the Caddies win a medal? No. Caddy doesn't win an open claret jug, do they? No, but the only defence is, you know, the, 
the cocks at the front of a boat, yeah, they win a medal. I know, but that is that's kind of I think that's the same for every one of those events. They would win something, but you don't like I said, you don't win a green jacket for your caddy at the Masters, do you? No. I would like to have seen if you had to have the same caddy as your country. So if you're American, you have to have an American caddy. If you're English or Great Britain, you have to have a GB caddy. I I would be happy if the caddies took a medal, personally. Mm. Or they don't have a caddy. Because how does the caddy make money? They're not going for that, are they? They're going for the... the, the most of the caddies are obviously millionaires, or not, maybe well, not quite, but very well off. Yeah, because think about... To be, a, to, to be in the Olympics, most of the guys are the elite. Your Tommies, your Pacey's. They've got the normal caddy with them, who's getting 10% every week of yeah. whatever, though. So they're going to be well off. I think the caddy should expense. have got a medal, or they don't have caddies. Really? Yeah, 100%. Um, then women's this week mm-hmm. same golf course same format um, it'll be interesting now how much airtime that gets because again just the men just got no airtime so I can't imagine the women getting any more well, can, you, can you blame it though I don't think you can it's boring isn't it you just need a platform where it, it's that just shows though you've watched every Olympic sport going and you only watched an hour or well Three hours. I got up early on Sunday, I must admit, to but watch it. was it. done for like 10 o'clock, pretty yeah. much. You've watched a few hours. I watched four hours final day. I got up at six. And you're a golfer, and I yeah. am as well. It just needs to be, whether I don't know, it needs to be two-way, let's just end this now, because there's a lot of Olympics chat, but it either needs to be, it's a bigger event, in which case I want to watch it, because it's so big, or it's a different format. Yeah. So many people were asking me, though, where'd you watch it? Like, so many people didn't know where to watch yeah. it, which is mad. And I didn't really. I didn't know it was going to be on BBC, because... Certainly on the BBC, when you go on to Olympics, it just says BBC Olympics. It doesn't massively say what it's going to cover. Mm. It doesn't say we're going to cover three hours of golf. Because I, I 100% thought when it got to the seven-man playoff, they're just going to cut this. They weren't even going to watch the playoff because something else is mm. going on and they're over schedule or whatever. That could have quite easily happened. Luckily, they stayed live and it was good. I enjoyed it for it. I enjoyed it. It's good. I'd like to see more of it. Um, I'd like to see different formats, definitely. Cool. We'll have the same chat in three years. But speaking of the Olympics, um, it. It, it got me thinking about achievements in golf. So regardless of whether the Olympics is as big an achievement as a major or not, it's still some achievements winning an Olympic medal in golf. But unfortunately, Rick, there's only probably 0.001% of the golfing population who go on to be tour pros and have the potential to play in the Olympics or whatever it might be. So I wanted to hear from our listeners and from you, and a little bit from me as well. I know what I'm going to say, but about our best golfing achievements. Okay. So, obviously with golf, what's unique is there can be so many different abilities. Obviously, you can have scratch handicappers, 28 handicappers can be playing together. Their perception of an achievement and of good and of good golf and being happy with how they've played is so different. So, I asked a question on our Facebook page, which again, quick plug, if you're not on it, it's the Rick Shields Golf Show podcast on Facebook. And I put, we want to hear your biggest and best golfing achievement. It could be breaking 100, winning a club championship, etc., etc. So, I'm going to tell you about mine. So, people that are watching the podcast will see, I have got on the desk a trophy. It looks quite good as well, doesn't it? You commented on before <laughs> that it had a closed club face, but club face can twist. Nice. So, if you want to play a draw, can open it. It'll fade, close it, etc. But this is the Huffwood Golf Club, 2004. So I was 13 years old. Order of Merit Junior Section winner. Nice. So that's going to go on the back over there. I got it from Mum's house of a day. But the reason I brought that in, it's a bit of a joke, but I was 13 turning 14 in 2004. 
And the order of merit was um, a tournament where, well, you had, you had golf comps probably every week, certainly in the summer, maybe one or two a week. And it was a fair format, but also difficult because if you won a comp, you got four points, right? Second place, you got three. Third, you got two. And then just for playing, you got a point. So if you won a comp, but then you had your holiday, summer holiday, and missed two, your four points was not worth as much because other people just played in three, had three points anyway. And also at the time, we had some really quite decent juniors. So that was the era where, like, golf was my absolute life. Got dropped off in the morning at the golf club, practised all day, had a chip butty, pint after pint of orange squash, playing for a Pro V1, backspin comps, you know it. And that, kind of laughing out a little bit now, tongue-in-cheek, but at the time, that club champs was my absolute goal to win that, and I managed to win it, hence I got this lovely trophy. Um, but I've probably done other things since that. I've never been at a great level of golf, but still to me, that is something that I was so proud of at the time, and still kind of am. But I want to hear from you and from our listeners, as kind of mere mortals, as normal, everyday golfers, what was their biggest golfing achievement? So I don't know if you've got one lined up. I'm going to run through a few yeah, first. Yeah, read some out first. So we've got loads of good ones. And what I like is the variety. So this one is from Scotty Haswell. Have you got a bit of a cough? You all right? Yeah. You sure? I'll do a quick test after this. I've done one. Oh, is it all fine? Yeah, it's fine. Right, great. Um, so this is from Scotty Haswell. It says, I've been playing golf um, for eight months now. And I broke 100 for the first time in the course I played my first 18 at. Um, to top it off, it was the last time I'll play there as I've just moved up to, up, um, to get a new job. Uh, no, sorry, I've just up. Yeah, so he's moved, he's moved up the county. So basically, I'll even say country, country. So long story short, he's been playing golf eight months, not very long, broke 100. That's a great achievement. At the course, he first played. He's not going to play in that course again, probably nice. ever. So that was a nice one. Um, this is just, again, shows the levels. Chris Deesborough so has got a little picture. And he said, um, I shot 115, um, which is the biggest achievement so far. And he also beat his mates. So on the scorecard, he's got his mates shot 120 and 137. So he won by a decent amount. So again, I'm guessing he's a fairly new golfer. Um, Tom Ashworth has said, my first birdie after starting back to golf this year after a 26-year break. It was on a par four. Um, It was a straight drive, then a four hybrid and a 10-foot putt. Nice. A couple more. Um, (laughs) Uh, Hugo Locklove played in a team match play event, right? It was eight single match plays, but all the players were off 11 handicap or high. So it must have been like the mid, whatever yeah. it's called. Um, but they played off scratch. I played my best 11 holes of my life and beat my opponents eight and seven. I was two under gross for the 11 holes. Oh my goodness. So he's basically played unbelievable golf. A couple more, and then I want to hear yours. Uh, Aaron Bainbridge started golf in April, broke 90 of the first time ever. So he's made up. That's Um, Thomas Astle about six months ago I got my first eagle it was a par 5 500 yards it was a good drive good 5 iron 6 foot and then knocked in the putt so what I'm trying to get at here is obviously quite a lot of good ones I've got even more but this is quite good actually to end on Connor um, Clue I got 7 pars in a row on my birthday oh nice but that is what I like about golf that I suppose with any sport but certainly with golf there's so many different ideas of yeah. success and of achievements and, and what makes us happy. So that guy that walked off the course that shot 115 was absolutely buzzing. Yeah, There might be a guy trying to make 100 for the first time who thinks he can do it, he shoots 115, he's devastated. That guy the next week might shoot 95, be over the moon. His playing partner wants to break 70 or break 80 or whatever and doesn't. Like, there's all these different like definitions of success Definitely. and achievements. And I think that is why people enjoy golf. 
for so long because you can you you you, you can move the goalpost I guess exactly. can't you to what even you when do. you get older you can try and shoot your age That's or it. you can you know whatever it may be you can always reassess your goals you asked me this question last night I did and I'm struggling like I, I never won anything when I was growing up well, I, I won bits and bobs juniors and stuff but like I never feel like there was anything that I really really set out to win mm. and won it like, I never went like, I always wanted to win the club champs at golf club i grew up mm-hmm. didn't annoyingly like <laughs> close when I, even when i turned pretty yeah they came second i think i came second a few times and like even when i turned pro i wanted to win a, like a pro event and didn't um so i don't know it's probably a tough one i probably the one i'd fall back on if, if you, you you forced me for an answer but it, is it a bit of luck as well probably the holding one i got at uh, um west Langs mm-hmm. in open qualifying um It'd have been nice if that was to get a hole in one and pad last to qualify. Let's say it was a it was almost a token hole in one because it didn't really change the result that much. But that was pr- pretty impressive because it was in front of loads of people and my first hole in one. And to actually have it, it at, at a tournament rather than just on a Saturday afternoon playing with my mate or something. Mm. So that was quite in, that was quite impressive. And I got a nice nice tie from the open and I kept the flag and the ball and all those things. So probably that's my one. But I almost. Kind of put that down to a little bit of luck as well, which is annoying because obviously I tried to hit the shot and tried to get it as close as I could, but I couldn't control that. Like it wasn't going round eighteen holes and putting a putting a proper class mm-hmm. round together. So I think there's a lot of achievements that I'd like to look into in the future, um, but whether it's going to change my life, I'm not sure. I don't know if I'm that bothered. Like I think it's very much about how much you play golf as well. Because a lot of these people that are commenting are probably, might, might be new to golf or might have played for ages, but probably quite hardcore golfers yeah. where those kind of scores mean a lot to them. You're yeah. at a point now where your golf is your job. Well, I'm I'm in between. If if I wanted to achieve more goals, I'd have to play a lot more. Mm. Like I'd have to do a lot more. I'd have to practice a lot more. I'd have to enter tournaments and things like that, which is not really what I want to do. So, bar... I don't know. I don't know what then. What would be my goal? What would be something I'm trying to achieve? Let's say. I don't know. I'd love to break six sixty-five, but let's say just you and me went out and did it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't count it as a goal. Like if it was just you and me playing on random Thursday, I'd be like, I've shot. I've shot, yeah. I managed to shoot six hundred today. Weirdly. Maybe twenty twenty-two. We can set you a goal on the podcast that you've got to do. And yeah. we'll all class it as a success. G1. Anyway, that's good. I'll make my own trophy. If, if anyone else has got any ideas, of, well, maybe we'll cover it a little bit next week. Maybe we can have some time to think. If you want to um, send us an email with your biggest golf achievement, if you're not a member of the Facebook group, you can email us podcast at rickshields.com. I'm conscious I'm holding my mic a lot again. People have been commenting about that, but I like it. It feels comfy. <laughs> Matt, how far have we done? All right, so we've done about 50 minutes. There's no issue with Apple, which I mentioned every week, where they can't go much over an hour. So we'll wrap it up in a minute. But... That's actually quite a serious one. Do you? We talked a lot about golf. Yeah. Is that good? I think so. Okay. It's a golf <laughs> podcast after all. Uh, tell you what we could actually do before we go to the last section. We've not had many people rate the podcast on Apple as much recently. Okay. And as we've said before, <laughs> people that are in the clubhouse are your friends. Obviously. And people that rate the podcast five stars are also your friends. I've had a few people coming up to me asking me for £50 notes, which is a little bit... Well, I remember that time we were in the Trafford Centre and some guy came up to you and said, Hi, Rick, I'm a fan of the podcast, I've rated it five stars. And you weirdly went to uh, Curry's and bought him a 50-inch plasma telly. That was a bit excessive, That was weird. So, I'm not saying you do that every time, but if you do rate the podcast, see Rick in real life, tell him, he might buy you a treat up to a value of £499. Anyway, um, 
So yeah, rate it five stars if you can. I really don't rate it one star and call me a ferret face because that did upset me. <laughs> I actually like the ferret face. But please don't call me ferret face to get a reaction because it, it was actually quite good. Looking at getting a ferret head cover, nice. possibly. Speaking of head covers, speaking of merch. Okay. <laughs> it's coming. Yes, it is. Hopefully um, hopefully soon. I keep telling, I keep being told I've got samples on the way, but no samples have arrived just yet. The good news is though, what we have seen isn't just rubbish nonsense. It is good stuff. It's nice stuff. And I think possibly, and putting words in your mouth here, but podcast listeners might be the first to know about it. Certainly some of the stuff. Yeah, definitely. So if you're interested in that, it's coming soon and it's going to be good. It's not just going to be nonsense. Because that's what we didn't want to do. We didn't want to get you some merch that's got like a rubbish t-shirt with a logo on that you just get on the internet for like 20 quid. It's garbage. You know, let's of be course. Honest. This stuff is premium. I want to come on to the final topic. Have you got anything else to... I had a Dear Rick, okay. which is... Can I just do this quick? Because yeah, it's yeah. something I need help with. So it's a Dear Rick. Um, I don't think he needs to be anonymous, so I'm going to call him his name. It's Danny. Uh, he is from British Columbia in Canada. And he says, Due to COVID and lack of hobbies to take part in, I've recently taken to golf. I go to driving range three or four times a week and usually hit my local course about twice a week. But the issue I'm having is when I'm at the driving range, it seems I can hit every shot straight as an arrow. And thanks largely to your videos online, I figured out how to swing my driver and I've been driving an average of 250 yards carry. Nice. But it seems as soon as I'm on the golf course, it's like I've got to hit the golf ball. All of a sudden, I'm slicing the balls, I'm topping the ball my irons, and it's all downhill from here. Mind you, I've only been playing golf for about three or four months, so I understand it takes time, uh, but is this common and how can I overcome it? I think less practice on the range and more practice on the course, if you can. Like it's not, it's as we mentioned earlier on in the podcast. Like practice on the range is so unrealistic to pr- being on the golf course. Yeah. So if you can go out quiet night and and use more time to you know drop balls on the golf course. Obviously, I know some golf course are a bit funny with yeah, this sort of stuff, aren't they? You but can be sneaky. Drop golf like go and hit multiple tee shots and and put what you're putting on the practice range into play on the, on a practice round without competition. And then as you get more comfortable and you feel more more um, you know, happy to be able to pull off those shots that you've seen on the driving range out on the golf course in practice, those shots will also then creep into your actual tournament play as well. Mm-hmm. So if you can, practice as much as you can on the golf course. I think when you and you hear and you speak to a lot of better players, certainly tour players, they spent a lot more time on the golf course than maybe we've realised. And like even like Poulter, when we said before, practising at this wonderful facility, it's like practising on the golf course. He's got the best of both worlds, yeah. but not a lot of people get a chance to do that. Quick one, when you were coached a lot of times, did you? because I, I fight, think that I'm better on the range, but I don't think that's necessarily because it's like flat lies. I think it's because I'm more confident because I can hit it hard. If I do it away with one, it doesn't matter to range. But get another ball. Was on the course, I almost then try and steer it and get scared. Did you see that a lot coaching? So yeah. like people that hit it hard or try and hit it hard on the range, they can hit it well, of course, you don't. Yeah, so obviously on a, on a driving range, there's no hazards. Like, yeah. There's no trees. There's no... Um, even, even in your peripheral vision... It's open. Yeah. You don't see anything to the left-hand side if you're around the golf. You don't see trees. You're not looking up going, oh, I can't go left, out of bounds left. I can't go right, it's a pond. Like, there's nothing there to stop you from you know, hitting, just, just whacking it. Like A lot of time, and I, uh, this is one thing you could take from the driving range out on the golf course. A lot of time when you're in a range, you'll pick a target in the distance, yeah. a tree, a 250 banner or whatever it is. Look at that and hit it at that. You don't look at the net. You don't look at on the right-hand side is another green. You look at your target and you hit at that target. It's harder on the golf course because, one, your target isn't a big sign in the background. 
yeah. of, of a golf hole. It's just not. It's normally you have to pick out a point of a tree or you've got to pick out the edge of a bunker or whatever it may be. And then just imagine like the third hole at the Marriott, which is a really tree-lined exit out of the hole. Like you're looking at it and going, oh my God, like this is quite slim. I've got to feed it through this gap. I can't go right. I can't go left. Oh, do you remember that time when I hit it right and lost the ball? Like So all those things, like all those exterior factors come into play. Um, you know, the driving range, you've got bucket balls, you've got no hazards, you've got a target to aim for, bish, bash, bosh, off you go. You know what else we do? And I think I'm a, I, I'm a culprit of this because I've just said to you, I hit it back on the range and I probably would say I do. And, and I'm sure Daniel does. But if we went to the range now, right, and, and I probably wouldn't go in straight with driver, but sometimes I might even be silly. Or even if I don't, if it's some wedges first, then get to driver. If I go block miles right, snap up left, I just go, oh, wait a minute, I'm going to hit a good one in a minute. Maybe another bad one. Then hit maybe three good ones in a row. I'm going to look at them smoked ones. And you kind of just put the other ones down so it all wasn't quite loose. But if you went to the golf course and I went first hole, out of bounds, right. Next Second hole, hole, left. Third hole, lost again. And then finally hit one good one. You're thinking, I've had three double bogeys here. So, yeah. so it's more, we'd, I think we do it bad shots on the range, but we're just so on to the next shot in a good way. We forget about it. But yeah. those bad shots on the golf course are what costs us. Do you yeah. get what I mean? And even like this new technology, like the, the top trace and things like that, you can just delete that shot. Exactly. If you go for a fit and you hit a bad shot, you just delete it. That's it. Where, you know, also taking into that factor, let's say you have hit it out of bounds right on the first, hit it in the water on the left, and whatever on the third, you've lost it. By the time you get to the fourth, you're actually not swinging full and freely. Yeah. you're thinking, oh crap, I'm just racking up yeah. a big score here. I best hit my five wood or I best hit smoothly. Very, very true. Or I need to change my swing because whatever it may be. So yeah, if you can if you can be realistic on the driving range, you don't hit every shot perfect. Try and test yourself on the driving range. Your last ten shots, like pick out an imaginary fairway and monitor how many shots you hit through that imaginary fairway and write it down. You yeah. might get six out of ten. Okay, that's fine. Next time you go, try and beat it. Because then when you get on the golf course, you put yourself under a bit more pressure. Good answer. Last bit, do you have something? Yes. I want to congratulate Dan Gavins. Oh, yes. So this weekend was the World... um, Well, it was ISPA... Sorry, ISPS Handa World Invitation in Ireland. It's hosted by Modest Management, which is Niall Horan's management company. Um, Very unique event. They had a tournament for disabled golfers, a tournament for women golfers, and also for men. Mm. The prize fund, certainly for the women women and the men, were equal. There's European Tour, isn't it, and L.E.T.? Yeah, L.E.T., European Tour, um, lots of big names in both sides of the women and, and the men. Um, first off, shout out to um, Brendan Lawler, who um, won the disabled. Mm-hmm. He, I think he now becomes the number one disabled golfer in the world. Wow, nice. Um, he, he won it in prolific style he seems like a really really nice guy i've never met brendan um I, I would love to at some point but i think he's now the number one disabled golfer in the world he's doing amazing things amazing awareness for disability in golf and he, he did a great speech after and you know basically said it's not just for him he's doing it for disabled golfers Fair like play. he's almost flying the flag yeah like, i don't really know that many names of that many disabled golfers bar, bar him really yeah. so he's, he's making it aware he's doing a great job of that uh, so well done to him. I think he's also managed by Modest as well, so they're probably pushing him and supporting him, but he's done a great job. Then I'll try and pronounce the lady winner. Uh, Para, Para I'm making a mess of this already. Anna Ruk Arn won the women's. Okay. Don't know much about her. I really apologise, but she won the women's. I wanted to cover that. And then 
Dan Gavins. Yeah. So this is crazy. A crazy, crazy, crazy story. So I knew Dan through a couple of mutual friends, one called Gaz, another one called Liam. And Liam is um, Liam Harrison from Golf Mates UK, who used to come to see me for golf lessons and I actually kind of initially helped him set up his YouTube channel many, many years ago. He's doing great things now. He's really set up a, a really cool community of all these golf mates and they go and play different places, have golf days, etc., etc. And on his channel, he's had Dan Gavins on this channel quite a few times yeah. like as a tour pro player. Now, in that weird time frame, we went out to Lumina and shot a video of final qualifying and we picked six players and one of them being Dan Gavin yep. because I kind of loosely knew him through Liam, through Gaz, I kind of loosely knew him. So made a connection there and he actually qualified. We went out with him for a drink that night. We went out for a few drinks because he, he, he became a European tour player. Yeah. And was that 2017 18, or 18? I think that was. So in 2018, he's now got what we've... What we've now learned from James Robinson and a few others, almost like a, a third division pass to the European Tour. Yeah. So it doesn't get you in everything, but it was it was okay. It was a starting block. Over the last three years, he's had okay success. Like I've been monitoring his success so so forth and so. He's had a couple of. Uh, uh, he's gone from Ping to Callaway, whatever, whatever. In the last three or four months, I've noticed, I've got, I've got him as favourited on my European Tour uh, page. He's been trending very, very nicely. Making cuts. Making cuts, getting into contention, doing very nicely. Now, this event in Ireland, I don't know how it happened. I've not spoke, I've spoke to Dan, but I've not spoke to Liam yet. Liam ended up caddying for Dan, which is not the first time he's actually done it in the past, at a match play event where they actually came eighth, I believe. So Liam, from Golfmates UK, who's like, say, kind of an old client of mine who I've had lots of connections with over the past few years is caddying for Dan Gavins. Liam is not a professional caddy. He's just a mate of Dan's, right? Um, comes to the final round and Dan's miles back. He's five or six shots behind. I think Dave Horsey was the leader at, uh, after day three. And it's really interesting because after day three, there is actually a cut. So there's, o- there's only a limited amount of 40 odd people in the final day. Dan Gavins goes out and gets to 13 under par for the tournament. I think he shoots five under for the final day. Nice. But even when he posts that 13 under par, I'm sure there's players still with plenty of holes to play who are, who've got a better score than him. But with Dan has the clubhouse lead. As it progresses through the, through the afternoon, players drop off. Dave Horsey, who was leading, who had to make par on the last hole to win, ends up making double bogey. Ouch. Dan Gavins is left at 13 under, and the lowest player, and wins. Dan Gavins wins with the European Tour event. With a YouTuber Liam, on the bag, it's madness. With Liam from Golf Mates UK on the bag, or Golf Logs UK, or whatever it's called now. It's called Golf Mates. It used to be Golf Logs UK, I think. I came up with Golf Logs UK name. But now so you're partly successful. Well, to be honest, we're filmed with Dan. Yeah. So I feel like my lucky charm, delayed lucky charm. Yeah. We actually, I actually told Ian Poulter that was a lucky charm, so no pressure there. <laughs> if I do film with him, he has to go and win. But... Big shout out to Dan. I'm sure it's not been easy. It's it, like I say, he's in that weird frame where he's putting in the work. Might not be making shed loads of money. This has given him a massive boost. Nice two hundred thousand euros. Nice two hundred thousand euros. Whatever you know, amazing victory. Um, to have a victory, hopefully it means he has confidence, builds on, wins more, 
Uh, and who knows, he becomes a flagship name on the European tour, where at the moment he's kind of on the cut mark of a bit of challenge tour, a bit of European tour. But big that shout out to That should give him some stuff, though, now if he's won. Big time. Yeah, nice. and, and it's a good event to win, you know, with the presence of Niall Horan, uh, who was from One Direction. He's kind of... It got a lot of press, this event, more than maybe just a normal event would get because his name was behind it. So big shout out to Dan. Well done, Dan. Well done, Liam. Um I don't know what you do to him, but you definitely make him play better golf, which is I'm awesome. Mind in between shots and jokes and chill. laughs and gets relaxes. Him, gets him plenty of Guinness, Guinness after each round. Um, is that it? Yeah. Um, you're on holiday next week, so I'm not yeah. sure if we'll do a podcast end of this week that'll just go out. People won't know you even away or might have a week off. Who knows? Try and get Dan Gavin's on. That'd be good. What do you think we'll do? We're going to probably do one. Yeah, we will do one, definitely. Um, so that's it. So people, people won't know you're off then, basically. So forget I said that. Rick's done holiday, lounging around. <laughs> I don't get holidays. Guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Stay tuned. Lots more to come. And uh, that was episode 89 of if, the Rick Shields Golf Show. Sorry, podcast. if people want to watch it to see my trophy, make sure you watch on YouTube. <laughs> thanks. <laughs>